if I am required to acknowledge that my tweet violated the Twitter rules. What rules, you sons of bitches? Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. That is our very own Canadian Arkham villain, the Dark Professor, Jordan Peterson, getting kicked off Twitter, very upset about it because he just keeps refusing to call actor Elliot Page, the recently transitioned actor, by their name. This is Left Turn Canada, Andy Burkowski, Christo Avalise here. And I don't know if you remember Christo a while ago, because for Canadians, they know that Peterson has been a figure in academia and then I think just broader media for what feels like almost decades now and the big thing about him initially was that he was defended by people saying that you just misunderstood the reason he didn't want to call his students by their appropriate pronouns in university is because he was representing just a higher ideal of academic uh, achievement like we just need to be rational here it wasn't that he actually hated these people and now we see years later no these people are just ghouls they have terrible opinions, they actively want people to suffer, and they're little crybabies about it. So hopefully we can get at least a little bit of a laugh of uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, crying himself away. I just, I can't, I, I don't get it, man. And we're going to talk about it today a lot. Just this idea of the sort of leaders that the the far right has currently and the just the feeling of how they're so disingenuous and don't seem to represent the actual constituents and don't seem to be people that would ever fit in with these people that you know believe in these ideals but for some reason they're they're trumpeted as you know the leaders of it so yeah i'm just uh just blown away by that we'll see what other yeah. you know politicians and and thinkers elliot page can get off twitter just by existing so, right just by existing yeah i mean like it look i mean look jordan peterson was always clearly driven at least in part by transphobia yeah. it might have been partial issues beyond that but like it was mostly the transphobia right mm-hmm. like and a lot of the discourse on from the right wing on cancel culture and quote unquote academic freedom is almost never a principled one, mm-hmm. right? You know, whether it's the fact that like, you know, you have prominent uh, anti-culture, anti-cancel culture writers at, at big U.S. newspapers who, you know, have worked to get Palestinian supporters fired mm-hmm. or to ensure that universities don't fund uh, research that is critical of Israel uh, all of this, right? You know, you see that it's it, it's in fact the people crying about cancel culture that are supporting book bans and uh, bans on discussions around LGBTQ people existing in places like Florida. Mm-hmm. All of this is one giant experience of hypocrisy, right? And so it is kind of good to, to just see, you know, Peterson kind of come out and just be transphobic <laughs> even more directly than he has been, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good to see. But I mean, I think this is part of a broader trend and uh, that transphobia is rampant. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I'm and i not trying to suggest that, you know, in the past, trans people had it great. You know, and they, they never have and do not now. But it's almost like like transphobia has always existed. But the 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 it's it's so prevalent now, like there's a backlash to the fact that a sizable portion of the population do see trans people as valid. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing all of this, whether it's from people on like the traditional right or whether you're seeing these like like white liberal feminists 
like like Bette Midler, the actress, yeah. coming out as a turf, J.K. Rowling. Like there is a growing hostility towards trans people, and so I think it's incredibly important that at this moment you do, we you know we we on the left really defend mm-hmm. the rights and dignity and safety of trans people and of non-binary people, of course, of the whole LGBTQ community, but in particular people who, you know, uh, are trans and non-binary because they are at the forefront yeah. right now of a lot of the violence, mm-hmm. like the, 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 like the, the political violence, but in many cases, like literal physical violence. Yeah. Uh, in this society and that, and of course that, that in particular people of color who happen to be trans you know black trans women for instance but um it's 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 a big moment and i think it's quickly becoming uh, for me at least and i'm not trying to do this in a way like oh i'm the arbiter of like what is good and what is bad but like you know someone's view on view on trans issues is quickly becoming telling to me for like how committed they are to a politics of equality. Mm -hmm. Right. And people with bad takes on trans issues more often than not, you know, can be exposed for bad takes on pretty much everything else. Like it's not a coincidence that JK Rowling, you know, hated Jeremy Corbyn and hated kind of like a more definitive form of like progressive values within the labor party. It also happens to be a turf. Right. Yeah. And I think like, this is something that we're going to see a lot more of, uh, in, in Canada and, and, and across the world, uh, as, uh, the backlash to trans people becomes more mainstream and more organized. Yeah. It's odd how, and uh, this is being cited again by other podcasts. So don't ape me for, or, or don't hate me for aping them. But apparently in the New York times in the last like week or two, there yes. has just been this yeah. glut of editorials talking about why we have in, in the United States. And you know, here we obviously have problems like this too, but specifically with the, the Roe versus Wade being overturned decision that one of the reasons behind that is because on the left, so to speak, we are too pure against people who would say that uh, trans individuals don't have the right to live. That, the, that yeah, well, That's that, the that reason. Argument, that's insane. Yeah, the, that argument. Well, the argument in the New York Times, and there's been a lot of like just transphobia in the media, as you said, but mm-hmm. the specific argument in the New York Times was trying to make this equivalency between Roe and stuff, basically saying that the far left and the far right do not respect the identities of women mm-hmm. you have the far right obviously, equivocating the two things yeah, which is insane that doesn't that that doesn't have uh that doesn't have respect for women's bodily autonomy because they're trying to ban abortion or restrict abortion and blah 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 and reassert patriarchal gender norms uh but the piece the lion's share of the article actually focuses on how you know it, it it's not simply that we recognize trans people but it's like we're not allowed to call people women anymore mm-hmm. and we're invading women's spaces and it's like it, it is trying to make the argument that uh that Roe v Wade uh is that being defeated is bad but just as bad <laughs> is trans people having rights and and, and all of that and it's yeah. part of this false equivalency you're seeing now which is almost like somebody said on Twitter it's the 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 2022 equivalent of you can't say Christmas anymore. You can't say Merry <laughs> Christmas anymore. There's this growing narrative, which is bullshit, that you're not allowed to use the word women anymore. 
Yeah. Because there's been a few examples of people saying, you know, one thing you can say instead of just saying woman is say people who could become pregnant. Yeah. Because not all people who can become pregnant are women and not all women can become pregnant, right? Like trans women can't become pregnant. Trans men can, right? Mm-hmm. And so not all, pe- you, know, you know what I mean? Things like that, right? People who menstruate, um, things like that. Yeah, and that's and what so really that's pisses been, me off too, man. So just yeah. quickly, I want you to continue there. But the fact that this is being said by the constituents that actually are in power, you know, like the, the center liberals, the, the right-wing liberals, who actually could have done something to stop, you know, this assault against the females on autonomy in the United States, but instead of recognizing like, oh yeah, the Democratic Party really fucked up, we're talking about that now, they're looking at maybe it's because there's some of us that are pushing it too far with this yeah. wokeness so th- that's what upsets yeah. me the most that's not being said by the right because the right are always going to say that but it's yeah. being adopted and given as a reason why to explain their fuck-ups in a big yeah. way like that have been they want people, you to be happy yeah. about it which is insane yeah. go ahead sorry there's <laughs> been some people that have said you know okay, no no I, I was kind of done with my point but like you know that just like it's it's a way of being inclusive it literally does nothing to take anything away yeah. from you know a a, a, a person a female that born at birth that identifies as, as, as a woman, whatever. But the point is, like, yeah, there's been a real effort. And I've seen this more in the U.S. than in Canada, to be fair. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes here as well, where there's this growing sense that, like, the left in the United States has become too extreme on social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, therefore, they need to you know, find more middle ground with the uh, the median white voter. And it's not fair, but the nature of the electoral college and the nature <laughs> of gerrymandering and all that means that the conservatives can win in perpetual minority. You actually have to go out there and win votes. And so you need to say... You know, stop talking about these woke issues to Midwestern Republicans. And that's why, uh, of course, Midwestern swing voters, yeah. that's why, of course, and we had Hillary Clinton. Right. That's why, of course, that well, worked. Exactly. Right? And sometimes what they'll say is, well, you know, they won't say exactly who, but uh, more like what they like. OK, so when you want to sell out a marginalized group, who are you saying? Right. Like, are mm-hmm. we going to sell out black people? Are we going to sell out indigenous people? Are we going to sell out? Uh, you know, people with disabilities, like who do you want to sacrifice on the altar mm-hmm. of electoral victory? But more and more, some people are basically saying trans folks. They're basically saying that, you know, trans people need to basically be happy with the Democrats being as ineffective as they are because it will pro- it will be worse under Republicans. And it will be like, I'm not one of these yeah. people that can't because like, I feel some people will not like admit that like things got marginally better for some LGBTQ folks in some limited circumstances when Biden won because of some very limited executive orders. Right there, there were benefits. Mm-hmm. But like the idea is basically that trans people in particular, more than any other group, seem to have to shut up and go away and hide away and be grateful because if they keep demanding that they be treated uh, like human beings, like, or the same as everybody else, not any better, frankly, um, but the same as everybody else, um, then that hurts the Democrats in the polling. And I definitely think that in the coming, (laughs) in the coming decade, I really do think trans issues are going to be like the defining social debate. It's not going to be the only one, but I think like it's going to become maybe the way gay rights was in like the 2000s, Mm -hmm. maybe. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. 
it's it's going to be it's one of these major debates. And I think people on the left need to be strong in their commitment to trans rights. Like, you know, it, it can't the trans people can't be sold out so that you can maybe kind of win Michigan. Right. Yeah. Like, you know and I mean? it's just like, obviously, that won't work or else, you know, the the uh, excuse me, the political makeup of the United States would have been very, very different in the last four years. But the, the really insane thing here that has to make you sick is just this idea that so many people in power are willing to throw the lives and well-being of trans people just onto the fire. You are the sacrifice that's being made instead of just for a moment taking into account the inequalities of capitalism in our society. They will make sure that more minorities are destroyed and killed and seen as less people just so they can't possibly make things like a little bit better for you because that would change, you know, their yeah. position. And and that idea is so short-sighted. If you don't support this full-throatedly, because honestly, I, I understand, especially if you're a person on the left, that sometimes, you know, it's hard to keep track of all of the different nomenclature that is required if you're, you know, a this white dude with a big neck beard that plays video games. That's not uh, an aspersion. I'm talking yeah. literally about myself right now. So I get no, no, 100%. it. Like I, I, <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah. I get that it is sometimes you might think, you know, that might be a little bit silly, even for a moment. But in those spare moments, you also have to realize this yeah. is about someone's life and their continued existence, and they are essentially being sacrificed just so they can't do one thing to change, and as soon as yeah. that minority's done, you know, they'll go for the next one, and it'll just yeah, yeah. keep Conservatives going. Conservatives are never, they're yeah. never gonna be like, okay, the left basically call the truce on trans <laughs> rights and they're going to stop defending them or no, stop yeah. pushing more. And so, yeah, we're going to, you know, like, look what they're doing, man. Yeah. Look at the, look, look, homophobia is back, baby. Mm -hmm. Like it's never, it's never gone away. But like, look, there was this discourse. There was that after the last 20 years that the right lost on homophobia. They lost on yeah, gay marriage. Yeah, absolutely. They did, and they did. And 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 honestly, the, even still, there's way less support to re-ban gay marriage in the states than there was to ban abortion. Like mm -hmm. the gay, the anti, the homophobia w was not as strong as the anti-abortion rights. But like, look, Trump, Trump ran on. Uh, is it, I'm going to be the most pro-LGBTQ Republican ever. Very proudly ran on that. He did. It was all bullshit. All bullshit. Like yeah. I'm not defending it. But Trump did not run on like a homophobic campaign. He, you know, just think about the Republicans in like the early 2000s, yeah, or even in 2008 when they tried to accuse Obama and and Biden and Clinton of all being secretly supportive of gay marriage. When yeah, religious homophobia was the yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. And so and so that but that's coming back now mm. with the groomer discourse with Clarence Thomas, at least not the other conservatives yet. But at least Clarence Thomas saying we need to basically allow states to reban gay marriage if they want. We need to give back the gay marriage question like we did abortion to the states. Mm -hmm. um, you're seeing more and more people. You saw Dave Rubin again. I don't know if we mentioned, but he was one of the people that got banned for the, 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 the Elliot Page thing. But he's a prominent uh, gay conservative who and he and his husband. Uh, or partner, I don't know if they're married, but he and his his his, his gay partner d adopted a couple children and were just hammered by many people within his fan base and other elements of the right for stealing babies from women and for being groomers and for not supporting real family values because if you're a conservative, you have to support, you know, one man, one woman families and, and all of that. 
And it's just, it's wild, right? And so it's never going to end. But you are right in saying that, you know, while it's certainly the case that there are some working class conservatives out there, like, you know, you, you that that actually will vote against their material interests mm-hmm. to have their, their bigotries uh, supported. There there are some of those people. Like, we have to live in the yeah. real world. There I don't think it's a majority, like, though. I, yeah, I really no, I don't, don't. think yeah. it is either. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be some in, in some places that are like, I don't care if the Democrats want to raise my wages and make unions stronger and, and, and give my kids education and, and give me the medicine I need. Uh, I want to see gay people and black people suffer. Yeah. And that's what matters to me most of all now they might not say it like that but like that's their politics like just i want to see the people i hate have worse lives than they currently do right but there are many like you note that you know if you can give them that economic vision Mm -hmm. you know address material conditions and this is something we have to look at on the left here in canada too then you can, in a sense, help stem the tide of the right-wing culture wars. You're still not going to get all of those people, but, you know, you're going to get enough of them to maybe build a governing coalition. And maybe that's like, you know, maybe that's something the left needs to look at. This was the Bernie thing. Bernie, Bernie was, is not a centrist on social issues. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? This idea, Bernie's left wing on everything in the United States, right? Like, you know what I mean? There was a time where he was maybe a bit more um, moderate, quote unquote, on the gun question because he represents a largely rural state. Um, But Bernie Sanders, but in all seriousness, though, he was like left on trans issues, gay issues, uh, class issues, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's probably a better way to build a winning coalition. I know we kind of rambled on, but but honestly, though, I think we all need to talk more about trans issues. Yeah, right. We all de- we all need to uh, trans the, the the rights and dignities and safety of trans people again is going to be along with I think the climate mm-hmm. and 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 inequality. Maybe like the three big things in the next 10 years. I don't know, right? Like yeah, it, it's a real defining issue because mm-hmm. it's a lot about the the values of the left, I think are inseparable from like what it's going to take to build a safe world yeah. for trans people. So maybe in Canada, it's like the big four. It's like indigenous reconciliation, the climate, you're fighting capitalism broadly, but maybe in particular inequality. And then four is, is trans issues. I really might like, that might be, that might be it. Like, I'm not trying to make it a competition, but like, I think it's like, that's something we have to do better at on this show is like keeping that in mind because the right has made trans people their biggest enemy. They and, are the number one target. And of the they right. are the enemy. And I think you you really hit the nail on the head there of the different sorts of, you know, battlegrounds that will take place in the next generations between, you know, barbarism and the thing that we get as close to as socialism as everything kind of collapses. And when you deal with trans issues, you have an individual who can suffer. And when the only thing you can expect in your uh, from your politicians is to make sure they can help you like kill your enemies or make your enemies suffer. And I think that's the case on both sides. We haven't seen politicians on the left, even here in Canada, really offer an alternative of hope that will 
uplift us all, but instead it's offering this idea that we can punish those people who are our enemies. The only problem is on the right, they are unified in one screaming voice that the enemies are, you know, trans sophomores that, that want to be called by their actual names because, you know, it's too woke. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It, and the fact the that there is an enemy in Arkansas, the yeah. three trans, uh, trans girls, in Arkansas currently playing back. I'm not, but there was one state where literally they were going to ban yeah. trans girls in, in, in sports. Uh, uh, and, and like literally the governor, I think it was actually in Utah and the, mm. to, to his credit, the conservative governor, I think in Utah vetoed the bill. Now they had a veto proof majority because transphobia is big right now among the Republicans, but he was basically like, look at the end of the day, like inclusion in sports, at the high school level is is about self-esteem and all of that. And he's like, what we're talking about here, is, I think it was like literally like six people. Like literally, <laughs> like they were honestly talking about like well, six well, people. Well, do you think maybe were, that's why there is a focus? Because there is such a, all the other issues you talked about, like whether it has to do with yeah. the climate or equality, uh, income inequality, there's not really a face to that. There's not a person that, you know, can be the focus of your vitriol. In this case, with this issue of trans rights, you know, just seeing them as human beings, there's a face that you can hate. Yeah. The climate, it isn't there that. There has been a lot of that. I don't yeah. know if that's the full answer. And I think like, honestly, trans people would be better yes, to ask on course. that. But I definitely think there's been high profile moments, especially in sports, but not even at the high school level is ridiculous. Right. Cause like, it's like, it's just kids having fun for the most part. <laughs> yeah, right. They're not, like, you know what I mean? That's what earning money from. <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, you know, like there's always these high profile examples at the Olympics or at mm. like high level world championships where a trans person will compete. And then it just, that person gets like the, the becomes this, like this target of, of, of hate and of of harassment and all of that 100 percent, 100 percent. maybe there's one thing that we haven't really well i guess you touched on it but i just want to say it once more that if you're listening to this and believe that the the chief concern as a leftist or a progressive or even a, a socialist here in canada or or elsewhere is to make sure that there is an end to capitalism and that we we bring about a more equitable way of of living I think it's really important now because of who is being victimized to not preclude the protections of these things that maybe you think are, are a little bit woke or, 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 you know, moving away from the core goal. Because even if you think that is the core goal, which I would agree with, you have to recognize that these, you know, your comrades are being thrown to the altar as a sacrifice on both sides now. And, you know, that is where the battleground is. I think there are uh, maybe even a lot of people listening listening that are not as supportive and maybe we do this even here on this show where we aren't as strongly supportive of you know the the absolute protection and the you know the annihilation of those that would even begin to suggest that trans rights you know shouldn't be yeah. recognized in any sort of way just for the sake of uh sticking to the message of uh economic equality as being the yeah. you know the one thing and i think you're really yeah. hitting it here that we need it, we need to be dialectical i know it may be annoying if you're listening but it it has to happen it needs to be intersectional or else it's just not gonna fucking work and i think that might be a big problem here in canada in particular when it comes to the left that you know you can't seemingly care about both which is just wrong and and they'll keep winning like even the liberals are going to get after trans people now like we can't keep doing it this way it's just 
not working. Anyways, anything else on that one? We took, that was supposed to be like a five minute thing. We're almost half the show now. Anything else? <laughs> no, no, I think it's good. And if people ever have questions about this, uh, and if, especially if we have uh, listeners from the trans community that want to weigh in and, and let us know the hundred percent, because we are not experts, um, but we're, we're, we're trying our best. Absolutely. And I think this, the concerns about all of this, you know, we, we talked a lot about the United States and the different politicians there and the different choices that are made in the judiciary. I think it's very important to discuss it because of who may be the next prime minister. I don't know if you have it in front of you here, uh, Christo, but you sent me some kind of scary uh, federal polling numbers about who could be our next PM if an election was held. And it looks like on the conservative leadership race, we're going to get into that more in a little bit that uh, PP himself is strongly in the lead. Doesn't seem like there's anyone who can take him down. If he was the leader and there's an election being held, would he be prime minister? Well, right now, this looks to be one of the first polls that would give the conservatives a clear lead federally. Uh, this is the the or the, the the first time 338 has done their model. And what their model shows is that it would likely be a conservative minority. It would depend on a few factors. So um, most of what we've seen in the last couple years, really for the last four years, has been pretty consistent with the conservatives up one or two percent on the liberals, mm-hmm. but always being back in seats. But what the new model is showing is that for the first time, the conservatives actually um, are, are are ahead in um, seats. Now, I, I think it might be because of the way the regionalities are breaking down because they only lead the liberals by about two and a half points in this average. But what it shows is that the Greens would get two seats, the Bloc 29, the NDP 34, uh, the Liberals 129, Oof. and the Conservatives 144. Now, that's big, yeah. Hypothetically, if the Bloc was willing to prop up the conservatives, they would have a, a, a an ability to get over 170 mm-hmm. in that sense, right? Because that would be 164, 173. Uh, if the bloc was not willing to prop them up, not even like uh, make a supply confidence deal, but just was not willing to prop them up, uh, then you could have a scenario where the NDP uh, and the bloc was just going to stay fully neutral. You could here have a, 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 a uh, the NDP putting the liberals into power mm-hmm. uh, affirmatively because the NDP plus the liberals would equal 159, 160 something, would not be a majority. But uh, so long as they have more than the conservatives, if the bloc are staying out of it, they they could govern. So this would, I think, likely lead to a very kind of, um, you know, a a, a fairly weak conservative minority at this point Mm -hmm. is what we're looking at right now. Now, there's a couple questions because uh, the polls are still close. It gives here the odds of winning the most seats. It's still 60-40. So the, it's still, uh, you know, and only an 8% chance of a conservative majority with these numbers. Uh, also, the, the the liberals are not in first place. Or, uh, the the Polievra is not leader yet. Mm-hmm. Like he's not uh, yeah. the leader of the conservatives. But as you know, we'll talk a bit about it. He's strongly the favorite. So I don't know if people have baked him in as the leader yet, Mm. or if they're still operating under the assumption that it's a generic conservative, right? You know, because like that that can affect the polls. For all we know, Polyevra could poll slightly higher. There are some polls that indicate that if it's you had Charest 
uh, as the leader, the conservative numbers are actually a little bit lower or they, they stagnate uh, because with Paul Evra, while he does lose some people to the liberals and the NDP, he uh, gobbles up a good a good bit of the PPC support. Mm-hmm. And the PPC uh, might shift more 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 definitively back to the conservatives if someone like Paul Evra wins versus, say, a Charest, right? And I think that's kind of what we're looking at right now. So this is, I think, the first update of these uh, of these of uh, these uh, these polls mm-hmm. uh, that that show the conservatives with the potential to maybe have a workable minority, right? Yeah, that, that would be interesting to see if they do have Polyevra uh, baked in there because we have seen in the last week in particular his tacking very, very hard to the PPC. You know, he was marching in the lead-ups with, you know, whatever the, the Convoy Freedom Marches. Thankfully, you know, if you're listening from the past show, that didn't turn into a major thing even in Ottawa. You know, there's idea that there's supposed to be another truck convoy march. I believe there was, you know, some protests there, but it was nothing even close to what happened beforehand. But he was walking, yeah. you know, side by side. Yes. James Top, you know, people like Paul Alexander, people that actively represent the far right and he is standing beside them in protest of the federal government so any idea that he does not represent these ideals now he may not be as extreme as some of the others that are on the ticket he is absolutely the front runner and is representing this this move and considering what we just talked about of what's going on in the united states in the debates who did he say was his you know the his favorite author that he's listening to right now jordan peterson like he's very much he's of that archetype and if you're saying, as always, that this couldn't happen here of what's happening in the United States, I think a leader like uh, Polyevra could do a lot more damage than perhaps we're getting him credit to. Like Too many people assume that there might not be a difference because Trudeau is so ineffectual and perhaps even evil with his neoliberal tendencies. I truly believe that if PP was in charge, things would be a lot worse for a lot more people. So I I, I don't know how we would respond to that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you could maybe link to these polling numbers? Could it just be that it is, you know, kind of a, a turning of the tide of what we saw in the United States? You know, we have very different political landscape here. But the fact that he is so much seen as the front runner right now, that he he clearly has that hand on the, uh, on the gas there and is tacking so so far to the far right and these numbers are up maybe it's a coincidence but it does make me really worry about what's going to happen there hasn't been a lot of like there hasn't been a ton of movement yet and i think that's important to to recognize right like Mm -hmm. you know as of right now while this shift has happened it could be based on the model and it could also be based on relatively small shifts on the regional level because again like the the polls uh the polls are still pretty close between the liberals and conservatives and it could well be the case that it's just slight changes in regionality um you know it it does show that at least hypothetically the fear of polyevra at least right now isn't calling a uh, causing a massive collapse of conservative votes that could be concerning to people mm-hmm. but what it does show is that right now it's still pretty tight. Again, the the um, the 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 result shows 
that the liberals are still within two and a half points of the conservatives, right? Mm, yeah. There hasn't okay. been that much of a change. I mean, right now, the vote projection in this one is basically conservatives at 33, uh, 33.7, liberals at 31.3. If you go to the 2021 election and you look at the vote totals in Canada, what you'll see, let me pull this up here. Mm -hmm. It, what, it, it is is that the results were not too dissimilar from that, yeah. right? The conservatives, uh, the conservatives actually got exactly that amount. Aaron O'Toole got thirty three point seven four percent. The difference is the Liberals are down about a percent and a half here from that election, right? Yeah. So that's the that's the change. But again, the conservatives are literally polling exactly the same in this in the three thirty eight projection now than they were on election night. Not a mm. single change the difference here is that it appears that um the block is down uh the conservatives are uh, the liberals are down um greens are up a little bit ppc kind of stagnant ndp's up it could just be the way the seats are falling at the marginal level yeah. so right now it's too early to say um but yeah there this this is the first projection i've seen since early in the 2021 election, where, uh, where for remember at the beginning, O'Toole was polling maybe three, four, five yeah. points ahead of Trudeau and was in a minority position. Um, that's that this is the first time we've we've seen that since the you know the early 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 election. Mm -hmm. Let let me paint a scenario for you that I'm concerned about that very well could be yeah. our future here in Canada. Paul Everett grabs the nomination. He continues this sort of like mealy-mouthed, talking for both sides of his mouth ideal of conservatism here in Canada. It says his wild-ass stuff about crypto and other decentralized markets. We have Chrystia Friedland, who is having the liberal banner in her hand. She's representing basic neoliberalism, but maybe now when the election actually does happen, the phenomenon that's happening in the United States and here has escalated. So now, again, it's punching down to those that are, are too woke as those that are responsible. That could finally be an opportunity for Jagmeet Singh to really provide some transform, uh, transformational, excuse me, legislation and ideas that could really change the lives of Canadians like if if we believe that things may mirror what's happening in the United States in some degree then don't you think Christo that having the NDP even in the state there are now could propel them to a position to actually act for more transformational change do you think that that could happen I mean, it's hypothetically possible, right? Like <laughs> that's not the two, most there's, confident. Well, there's two. There, well, there's two. There's two kinds of theories on this, right? And yeah. I don't know what the correct answer is. I mean, one of the arguments going back to 2016 in the states was that if Trump wins, and and people weren't even necessarily accelerationists, like that they mm -hmm. wanted him to win. But you know, once Trump won, there were some people on the left that said he's going to fuck it up really bad, and he did. And it's going to be really, really bad in a lot of ways. Uh, some ways kind of bad like Clinton, but in other ways bad in, in a much worse way than Hillary. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to heighten the contradictions of capitalism and of the two-party system. And it's going to create an environment in which Bernie Sanders can win the next time. Uh, and what ended up happening was that Bernie did run and, and was in many ways successful and raised a lot of money and came very close to winning. Um, ultimately, though, uh, old 
older progressives, older boomers, older moderates, like older people in the Democratic Party uh, kind of banded together and, and went with what they thought thought was the electable option, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so in essence, what that means is that, you know, the argument was that Trump winning is going to give people, uh, is going to radicalize people uh, in a response to the far right. But perhaps the, the actual outcome was that it further entrenched fear, which led people to stick maybe harder than they even would have before with the mushy neoliberal center. Right. Mm -hmm. that, and so the argument could be that uh, in a situation where Trudeau is running again, let's say, and he's a tired, it's a tired government. It'll be at that point, especially if we go all the way to 2024, 2025 with the deal, he'll be in power for basically 10 years at that point. That's a, you know, a lot of governments die around that point in mm -hmm. Canadian history. Uh, you know, uh, you know, got Paul Evra running on a pretty strident conservative platform. Uh, and a fear that he's hiding even worse things uh, that he'll do if he gets power. Uh, and so uh, an NDP with, you know, a relatively young leader, even if it's still Singh, but, you know, now seen as somebody with a lot of credibility after being leader for so long, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to try something new. But again, it could it could very well be the case that that's, that gives people, even people sick of Trudeau, again, they, they hold their nose even harder. Mm. I don't know what the answer is. Like, I don't. Right? Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm yeah. just hopeful considering what happened in the United States during the primaries and kind of the coalescing of neoliberalism against Bernie Sanders, having that NDP third party kind of backdrop. I am just hoping that maybe that wouldn't happen. Right. Because he is already yeah. situated as a party leader that maybe, you know, it, it wouldn't be a case that all of capital and, you know, democracy is pushing against something that could change the lives of people for the better because he already has a seat. That, but absolutely, it could go either way. I'm just trying to, we always bring not enough hope here on the show, Crystal. So I'm just trying yeah. to, just trying to infuse a little bit because yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm worried like, about Paul Ever really having the leadership, uh, even if he's just oh, he's as ghoulish. Yeah, even he's if he's just as ghoulish as the other leaders we've had in the past, considering this moment in time and what we talked about at the beginning of this fucking episode, like more people are at risk and in the crosshairs than before of conservative rage and even neoliberal rage because things are getting so much worse for so many different people. And everyone is not willing to say maybe it's our system. It's got to be that these damn trans people want to be considered human beings and that these uh, other people aren't be, are asking too much of it. You know, like I just I'm, I'm very concerned that a character like him could really escalate it. Now, maybe he is just complete like this is the other side too, Crystal. Tell me if I'm uh, being too hopeful here. Maybe he is just like such a weak-willed bastard that he really doesn't believe anything because he, he kind of comes off as this, you know, performative, almost like theater kid, uh, especially with this uh, video that I want to talk about. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm wondering if he believes this as a core ideal or like a lot of these hucksters, he's just following the wind and is an ultra ambitious ghoul and will do anything. Cause in that case, maybe, you know, we have almost a better chance in some ways. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the videos of him grabbing all the wood and, 
being very horny for wood. I mean, I think some of that is definitely fake. Horny for like wood, de- baby. Yeah. Is like he's trying to seem like he's a regular Joe, but he looks like a giant nerd. He's a political mm-hmm. outsider. He's been in parliament most of his life. And I'm not one of these people that's like, that I judge career politicians. Like, yeah. I'm not like, I, 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 but, but like, but you can't call yourself a like regular person outsider when you've been in parliament basically as your only quote unquote adult job has been in parliament. He's getting like a like pension, right? No, or like he can yeah, get it now or something. He's like already, that. yeah, funny. I think you got to be in parliament for eight years or what it is. Okay. He's, he's clearly there. He's clearly got his, he's clearly done his, his years uh, and all of that. But the, but the point is like, some of that's definitely fake, but I definitely think he's somewhat sincere in some of his right wing economic views that the, the, the push to mm-hmm. deregulate, the push to fight, you know, to, to fight the NIMBYs and all of that. I think some of that actually is sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his affect is really fucking fake. Yeah. But Ugh. I think a lot of his views aren't necessarily all that fake. I mean, yeah. some of it might be, he might be leaning into it. Like, do, is he actually as prime minister going to make a move to ban all vaccine mandates? Like, remember, we've talked about this, yeah. right? Like, that he wants to, he put forward a bill that he said, that in the text of it, it was just about banning the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. And then he said, you know, but on social media, he said, I'm actually going to ban them all. And so if he becomes prime minister with a majority, does he put forward legislation to ban every vaccine mandate, including the ones kids gets in school and all of that? Uh, does he whip the caucus? Does he have the votes? Like, these are things I'm not sure about. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think he's, more ideological than mm. O'Toole was, I think, on 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 like economic conservatism. I definitely yeah. think that's the case. Oh man! So yeah, I want to talk a little bit now about just this this leadership race because there have been some moves in the last couple of days that are are just wild. Uh, there was another candidate, the mayor of my hometown, Patrick Brown, who was running uh, in this leadership race for the federal conservative uh, leader. And he really took the position of, you know, I believe in all the same economic things, but I'm just not racist whatsoever. And obviously he has to do that, especially in a city like Brampton, that is so multicultural and representative of, uh, you know, different uh, different sorts of people. Like he knows who his constituents are. And as he was running his race, he this week was disqualified by the party apparatchik saying that the committee decided and found out that there were serious allegations of wrongdoing relating to financial financing rules. They're speculating that some of the people working on his campaign were being paid by one corporation and they didn't know what that corporation was. And apparently that's against the rules. This organization and committee, you know, they make their own sorts of rules. But it's interesting because Patrick Brown came out and said this, that the party establishment was nervous that Pierre Proliever wasn't going to win and his supporters, uh, Pierre's supporters, are the ones behind this disqualification. So he's claiming that, you know, he's just too woke to, to be a leader. He would be just too good as a someone who actually cares about people but is still conservative. They can't allow him to be a leader. I, I don't know. I think that's complete bullshit. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't I, buy I don't it, know. man. Yeah. I, was he even in second? Wasn't he like behind Sheree in a lot of the different polls? Yeah, that like we saw? in a lot of the polls, he was really low. Now, yeah. to be fair, it's hard to do leadership polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the arguments from the Brown camp, and I've seen some people like outside of his camp kind of corroborate this that 
if you're basing it off like older lists you have of conservatives and and people are signing up lots of new people then the polling is going to disadvantage someone like mm. brown who's like he's not a you know he used to be a conservative mp and he was in the pcs and but like you know he's kind of jumping back in uh he might look worse in the polls than he actually ah. is but i think yeah very clearly i would have put him you know in third mm -hmm. right you know I, I don't I don't see him I don't see this narrative that like oh this is an effort to stop moderates in the party uh, because I don't I I I, I haven't seen that yeah. I haven't seen that move I think Shade is in a far better position to actually do that um, and um, you know with a, a ranked ballot system I mean does it does it matter if you get rid of one <laughs> if you don't get rid of both like I yeah. don't, you know what I mean like mm -hmm. I don't I don't know right like it seems weird. Um, and almost paradoxically, even in a ranked ballot system, you would almost, if you, you were worried that Polly Evra could lose to one of the two quote-unquote moderates, wouldn't you want to keep them both yeah. in the race? Because while they they can't split votes, on again, on a ranked ballot, they do split the volunteer bases, they do split donations, they do split media attention, and, and all of that can lead to the fact that w even in a ranked ballot system, one, one person representing an ideology is stronger than two people representing it, right? Yeah. Uh, at least potentially. Uh, and so, um, I don't buy that. Like, yeah. no, look, I don't know if the allegations are, are ultimately true or not. I think we have to like, we have to look at it. Apparently Brown is, and his legal team are looking into challenging it. I remember that with the green leadership race at one point, uh, Lascaris was disqualified and then was requalified. Mm. So it could well be the case that he's added back to the leadership race. I don't know how final this decision is when we're recording this. Yeah, because his his names are on the, his name is on the ballot apparently. Like yeah. they're not taking that off in time. And so you know he probably can 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 get can if he's able to get back on. But I really don't know if he has a credible chance at winning. I mean, the yeah. argument was always going to be I'm going to sign up a bunch of people. I'm going to win the some of the moderates currently in the party. And because of where I am and where I'm going to sign up people, I'm going to do well in the point system because there's not a lot of conservative card carrying people in, 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 in certain urban ridings, even though, say, all of Brampton voted blue. I don't know how many members they have, mm -hmm. right? like how many conservative activists they have. It might not be as many as they have in places like Calgary and in rural parts of the country. Right. And so Brown was like, I'm going to sign up people all over the GTA. And their votes are going to be worth way more per person than the conservative uh, base in Calgary and in rural Saskatchewan and in rural Manitoba and and, and all of that, right? Yeah. Um, and that was going to be his case. But from what the, the polling I've seen is that, like, it, it's right now, Polly Evers is, is going to win. Like, there's never been, yeah. it's never been, it's never been the case that he hasn't been winning comfortably, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, there's been some polls better, some polls worse, but, like, it, he has been consistently winning this. This is not like the last one where, you know, uh, uh, Peter McKay came out to a quite, quite a good lead, and then sort of over the months you could see O'Toole kind of gradually reel him in, and then with the point system and the second ballots and all of that, he was able to kind of eke out that victory, right? Like, yeah, he's always been the name. Like he's it. always been the name. Like Brian Breguet, uh, uh from Too Close to Call, he says that his his um, uh, rough calculation is that Paul Evra is going to win right now on the first ballot. 
mm-hmm. with about 58% support on the first ballot. So that's that gives him a lot of room to wiggle because even if he's, you know, 15% lower than that, he's at 43 you know, you got to think that a good chunk of the of the Leslie Lewis supporters mm-hmm. and all that will have him a second or third. And, uh, you know, I think it's very unlikely that anyone was going to win. And I don't know if Patrick Brown's suspension disqualification, whether it's permanent or temporary, is going to have much of an effect on the race, given that it's not really a race. Right. Like, you know, what I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's my sense. I'm just kind of happy that this is, you know, ruining Patrick Brown's day and or life because let's not forget once again almost you know a decade ago now not quite he had some horrible sexual harassment and even abuse allegations of what he did to his underlings he denies it vehemently and you know says it didn't happen but just uh, just a bad dude that kind of snaked his way into the mayoralship of you know a, a city that I absolutely love and my my family still lives in a little insider baseball here. It's kind of funny that the deputy mayors now in Brampton and many of the councillors is a real political factionalism in a lot of these municipal politics, as there always is, uh, released a statement saying that because of Patrick Brown's disqualification under you know the, this dubious uh, subheading, they believe that it's time to end his time at City Hall and is kind of actively working to get rid of him for that reason. Like whether or not that'll stand up, that's again uh, another issue. But I, I'm I'm happy that bad things are happening to a a bad man. I'm not happy that, you know, we will likely be stuck with Polyamora, but that was always going to be the case. It will be interesting to see it when he does win the leadership, how that jargon will change. Probably not a lot, but we have to think about what happened with O'Toole, you know, why he was so summarily kicked out. There definitely is a, a call in uh, the conservative corners of Canada for a stronger conservative voice. And it's tying back into what we said earlier. You know, none of these politicians are actually saying things that will change your life. It's means tested bullshit from the liberals. It's not progressive enough. I absolutely not progressive yeah. enough changes from the NDP and from the conservatives. It really is just we hate your fucking enemies and we'll make sure well, it's like that Paul they can't Ever do is doing some of this right where yeah. he's like i'm gonna give you back control of your life i'm gonna fight the gatekeepers and mm-hmm. i mean sometimes there's a policy associated but with scams like, though dude yeah. with like horrible yeah. financial scams right yeah it's like well sometimes the policy is like i'm gonna make it i'm gonna punish places that have too much regulation i'm gonna mm-hmm. if they want federal support they're gonna have to deregulate housing all of that blah 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 like whether it's feasible policy, whether it's good policy, they're, they're, he is suggesting some things. But then at other times, it's like, I'm just going to give you back control over your life. But like, he's not going to do it through like worker co-ops or unions yeah. or economic democracy or or anything like that. Yeah, it's not just, bottom up sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's all just like buzzwords and stuff, mm-hmm. right? But like, it, it, one thing he's been able to do Polyevra, and this is, I think, one of the reasons he's had success is he is building a narrative, right? And his narrative, I think, is somewhat effective. Uh, And it's up to the left to uh, counter that narrative. And they they haven't done that yet. Yeah, and I I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Like, I, I would, I think we have to almost demand. We talked about it here. Like, if anyone who has any position involved in the NDP that could speak to, you know, anyone that is in leadership or close to that, if Pierre 
wins and when he does get the the leadership nomination, we need to hear from Jagmeet. We need to hear from NDP officials saying that you condemn even some of his words and some of his actions. The fact that he does represent this change in Canadian politics that is designed to hurt people. Like if, if your parties that you support don't do that now, like we understand you absolutely don't have, don't have to support them. So I, I would hope to see something like that. Um, I think absolutely once campaigning starts, you'll see a lot of that because, you know, I, I think the NDP understands narratives as well. But I, I want to see that shit now because people are being victimized here and being the the focus of a lot of hate when they should not be because there is a clear enemy and it is, you know, Pierre. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got a little bit of time here. Again, if you want to ask a question, head to patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Just a buck a month. You can join our little discord here. Amazing little community. Thank you all for your contributions. Uh, we got one kind of open-ended question from a dot bear. One of my more favorite uh, commentators there. He says, and I quote, I am an idiot. What's the first step for actually getting active with local politics and shit. And I think it's said kind of plainly, but I think that is a, very popular sentiment like how our society has really pushed us to be so individualized we're getting involved in any sort of way socially or or uh what have you is incredibly difficult so i found in you know the the city that i live in in guelph you know there is ways you can literally just call a local politician and see if you can be involved but i found the avenue to being involved in local politics more successfully is through other advocacy organizations, whether it is, you know, um, helping out with homeless outreach or uh, just groups that are actively doing good in your community. I found that that is often a better way to get tapped into the politicians that are being effective than just going party first, because then you'll actually see the individuals who, you know, are trying to make a difference and connecting with the community. But yeah, you have to do the scary thing. You have to, you know, call, you have to put yourself out there. And if you don't do that, I, I don't necessarily think finding community uh, via Twitter is the most effective way to get involved with local politics. I think it is really effective in finding more, you know, uh, some uh, connected ideas with different individuals that you can, you know, kind of rally and have a bit of community about, but real strong community, you have to put yourself out there in a way that our entire society kind of wants us not to, you know, <laughs> like it, it, everything in our society is telling us not to organize and come together and like to be suspicious of your fellow man because your shit is your shit and it could they're so precarious you could lose it any fucking second right it, it could be lost in a moment and then where would you be you know and who's gonna take it your neighbor and i think realizing that that is designed to make sure that power can't be threatened will make it a lot easier to take those first steps so that's that's my experience uh Christo, I know you have a lot of experience with uh, being involved in uh, the politics here, uh, political movements here in Canada. What would you recommend for someone that's like starting from scratch? Like I said, a little nervous about, yeah, how they can get involved. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. One, if you want to get involved in like like grassroots efforts, yeah, get involved with charities, get involved yeah. with community groups, neighborhood associations. In terms of electoral politics, it depends, right? In general, 
the way you have to do it is like if you want to get involved municipally, you can go to city council meetings. You can volunteer for like uh, committees. You know, you can go to your usually once, a, you know, a couple times a year. They'll put out calls for like volunteers. So you could sit on like the library committee or all of these things and apply to be a member on these committees and have input into policies at the local level. Uh, you know, you can volunteer for, uh, uh, you can, yeah, you can volunteer mm. for the, uh, you know, campaigners at the local level. Cause at least here in Ontario, we don't have a party system yeah. at the, at the municipal level. Um, you can also, you know, just run for a lot of these positions, right? It's relatively easy. You don't need to have a party apparatus necessarily to run for school board or run for city council, especially if you live in a smaller community. If you want to get involved with a party, often the best thing you can do is reach out to the local riding association. Now, in some places, unfortunately, given depending on the party you support, there might not be a very active riding association. But if there is, that's often a really great place. So here in Kingston, if you want to get involved in the NDP, you can basically just go to the Kingston and the Islands NDP Riding Association, which represents the, the federal and provincial wings of the party. And there you can become a volunteer uh, to support the party in between elections, attend social events, uh, help uh, all of that, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. probably one of the best ways to get involved there. Also, some parties, if you want to get involved, uh, have... Uh, uh, sections for, for for various groups. So, for example, the I think all the political parties have like a young wing. So there's mm -hmm. like a you know a, a young conservative, young liberal, uh, you, you know a, a young NDP, etc., where you can get involved. And many, at least the NDP has specific avenues of participation for equity seeking groups as well. Yeah. Uh, at at the at the kind of provincial and federal levels. But yeah, generally in terms of electoral politics, uh, it's it's. Uh, it's the riding association, uh, and otherwise, it's about getting involved in your uh, your community about the issues you want to see changed. Which again won't necessarily put uh, bring you into electoral politics, but it might put you in touch with those people through lobbying and things like that. Yeah, like it might, you, it yeah, might you, give you, you what you're looking for too. Like that's the yeah. other thing. It might, yeah, because uh, you know you may be disillusioned with getting involved with uh, any sort of big political machine if what you're looking for is this idea of community. But like Christo said, I imagine a lot of people would be pretty jazzed to get your call if you were interested in, uh, you know, the the local parties that are involved there. That is all for us this week, folks. Uh, stick around with us next week. What are we going to talk about next week? Hmm. Hmm. What what disaster will befall we'll this great nation of ours? We just have to wait and see, ours? I suppose. Let's wait and see, folks.